0: been thinking about this
1: lately This is what I suppose Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel South London
2: You can visit us
1: at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org It's So
2: I'm on my knees for
1: understanding The more the world I see, more I see Leave her off in it, I'm no diamond ring
2: i got a lot to learn, so I'm listening
1: 2008. Was it a year that was really great? Or have you left that far behind as you embrace 2009? (laughs) Um, I suspect you'd expect a bit more from a a rapper, a real rapper. (laughs) Well, however you saw 2008, it's now gone. It's a thing of the past. And will forever be a figment of the imagination. Something resigned to history. Because we are swiftly moving forward. How many of you know that we are all on a journey? We are on a, a walk of faith. Sojourners through a land that is far from home. Like Christian in the pilgrim's progress. Travelling to the celestial city. We Have our hearts set on pilgrimage. Psalm 84, verse 5. And in the words of the songwriter, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. If heaven is not my home, Lord, what would I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's celestial shores. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. We'll soon be at home beyond the blue skies. Anybody know that one? Archangels are waiting to carry me home. Don't worry about sleeping. Don't worry about eating. We'll soon be at home. Praise the Lord beyond the blue skies. Real, real. You know that one? Real, real, real. Christ's so real to me. I love him because he gave us the victory. Many people doubt. Many people But I can't do it without. That is why I love him so. He's so real to me. All right, then. See? He's real, he's real. <laughs> We are in the world, but we're not of it. Hebrews chapter 11 speaks of those who died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them far off. And were were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. How many of you know, as travelers, periodically we need to stop and get our bearings. We need to take stock. We need to jump off the treadmill of life, and sometimes we need to stop and analyze our surroundings. Sometimes we need to pull over and check the map in order to clarify our coordinates. Otherwise, how can you then, like any good pilot, make mid-course corrections? I don't know if you heard about the the flight where there was an announcement and uh, the captain says, i got good news and bad news. The good news is that we have a very strong tailwind and we're making great time. The bad news was that the navigation instruments had malfunctioned and we have no idea of what direction we're going in. And that is just so typical of many especially in our day who are moving at lightning speeds but in what direction and if they eventually get to where they wanted they then discover that that wasn't what they really wanted and they find that they were mistaken and they were wrong but now they've wasted so much time effort and energy there's a A small poem, very short, and it says, with reference to someone reflecting on their life after the event. It says, Across the fields of yesterday, he sometimes comes to me. The little lad just back from play, the boy I used to be. He smiles at me so wistfully when once he's crept within. It is as though he had hoped to see the man I might have been. You remember when you were an idealistic young person? Or you may be one of those young people right now. And if you look back, you can recall what you had hoped to become. And then we sometimes wonder what happened. Not even realising that I took the wrong road. Because I've ended up in a place that I really didn't want to be. But by then it's too late. But as we heard Pastor Ephraim share last week. If we're in Christ. Just like that which a new year communicates. We get a second chance. It's not just about living and learning. But it's also about learning and living. Amen. So as an introduction we as the elders here because you know we're a plurality of eldership we don't have one singular senior pastor um the bible says that there's one chief shepherd and it and it's christ jesus now that's not to frown upon obviously fellowships that have senior pastors most calvary chapels have a senior pastor but we chose to go with a plurality of eldership and we share the responsibilities of oversight and thank the lord for good brothers, um, because the burden is quite a heavy one. So we as the elders here at Calvary Chapel have a special New Year's combination message. The three of us are going to take this opportunity to share the vision that we feel like the Lord has given us for 2009. Proverbs 29:18 says, without a vision, the people cast off restraint. So I'm going to take an opportunity... <clears throat> to start off but we're going to do it in three sections evidently there are three of us first of all we're going to look at God's overall perspective God's overall perspective from three points of view Then, secondly we're going to do a brief overview of last year looking back and then third we're going to begin to set our sights in a very practical sense on the future So initially, let's look at God's overall perspective from three points of view. We're going to look at three things. God's ultimate plan, God's universal plan, and God's unique plan. Ultimate, universal, and unique. First and foremost, to set the scene, to provide the backdrop, in terms of us trying to identify our coordinates, let's have a look at God's ultimate plan. God's ultimate or eternal purpose reflects his eternal wisdom so if his eternal purpose reflects his eternal wisdom you know you're dealing with something really weighty Hmm. creation creation i'm going to ask harry just to get a couple of slides ready for me creation, particularly the firmament or the heavens. Pastor Ephraim last week spoke about the first heaven, which is the firmament. In Genesis, it says God separated the waters above from the waters beneath by a firmament. And that's basically the air. And everything between us and the stratosphere, which then borders space, everything in between there, is heaven or more importantly the first heaven how many of you know how many heavens are there three heavens so that's the first heaven but then there's the second heaven which has been termed the stellar heavens and the scripture says that wow the heavens psalm in verse 1 declare the glory of god And the firmament, that is that firmament, that second firmament, shows his handiwork. When we begin to talk about God's eternal purpose, we're talking about something that is great and lofty. Things with regard to God's ultimate purposes and his exceptional grandiose. And they're very mysterious. This first picture is a picture that was taken from the Hubble Telescope. And these are pictures that no one has ever seen before. Well, no human anyway. And just flip, go to the next one, sis. I'm going to describe them all when I get to the last two. Now, what you're looking at is a galaxy. In that picture, it's called a whirlpool galaxy. Go to the next one, Harry. This one I've got on my, as my screensaver, as my wallpaper. This is a picture of a star that has exploded. Go to the next one. Now, when we look up in the sky, we don't see that. But that's what's up in the sky. Up in the second firmament, the second heaven, the stellar heavens in space. Now, we're going to come back to that one. Go to the next one, Harry. Thank you. Right, this particular photograph, remember it's not a picture that someone has drawn, it's a photograph, is called the cone nebula. The part of the picture here, between the top, the crest of that, just the top part of what you can see, and the bottom is 2.5 light years in length, from top to bottom. 2.5 light years in length. The equivalent of 2.5 light years is 23 million trips to the moon. That's how far just 2.5 light years are. 23 million trips to the moon, right? One light year, which is, if you like, traveling at the speed of light is how much distance you would cover over a, the course of a year. Let's say, right, I say, three, two, one, go! And you go at the speed of light. Over the course of a whole year, that would determine one light year. So, based on what I mentioned about that being 2.5 years, light years in length, We can then say that one light year equals approximately 10 million trips to the sun and back. Just one light year. Now go to the next one, Harry. This next slide is called the Sombrero Galaxy. I suppose you can see why, right? Listen to this. Check it. It's 28 million light years away from the Earth. Remember, one light year is 10 million trips to the sun and back. That is 28 million light years from Earth, and it was voted the best picture taken by the Hubble telescope. Listen to this. The dimensions of this galaxy, it's officially called M104, are as spectacular as its appearance. It has 800 billion suns. And it is fifty thousand light years in diameter. Now just, just take that in. Just breathe and, and absorb that. The 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 magnitude of one galaxy. Now remember, this is one galaxy. Could you go back to number four, please, Harry? That's one galaxy, right? Now, when you look at this, what you think you're looking at, which is what I thought I was looking at, was individual stars. You look in the sky, you see a star, right? Each one of those that look like a star is a galaxy. Every dot that looks like a star is an actual galaxy with billions, not millions, billions of stars. Every speck is an island universe. I've heard it said, but I never really grasped it. But they say there are as many stars in the sky as there are grains of sand on the planet. Not just down at Margate on the planet. imagine how many grains of sand it's just too much for us to even begin to fathom thank you harry for that in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth the heavens declare the glory of god And the firmament shows his handiwork. Romans 1 verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. I mean, you look at that, and that you're beginning, you're only beginning to grasp who God is. And that's the second heaven. Imagine what, no wonder Paul was like, yo, I can't even begin to communicate what I'm looking at. It would be illegal The things he saw in the third heaven, that dimension that God lives in. There is something about God's ultimate purpose that we can appreciate, but not fully grasp. It is somehow wrapped up in his glory and the manifestation of that glory. Revealing what Paul in Ephesians 3 calls the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom or the multifaceted wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places. He's talking about angels and archangels and principalities, men, things in heaven, things on the earth and things under the earth. That God's going to reveal his glory to? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 12 says, For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. The point is there is something going on in God's ultimate eternal purpose that far exceeds our ability to fully comprehend. But rest assured, big things are going on. And you and me, we are all a part of that. Especially when we begin to recognize the second you, which is God's universal plan. Not as in universe, that which we just looked at outside of our planet, but universal meaning general for every human being. As we look at God's universal purpose... His plan for mankind, that is everyone who is localized to this tiny, or should I say yet vast, but tiny little planet that we call earth. And we see two things in God's universal purpose. First of all, God's desire is that all would come to know him, that all would come to know him. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's one of the first general things that God has in his heart and in his mind with reference to everyone on this planet. His universal purpose. The second thing in his universal purpose is his desire for spiritual growth and reproduction. See, once an individual comes into relationship with him after repenting and fulfilling his first heart's desire, his then, then his desire is, as Pastor Ephraim said last week, is that that individual would, be, be, would, be, would become conformed to the image of his son, Christ Jesus. Just like a few weeks ago, we talked about the potter and the clay. That's his second purpose. His universal plan is to save individuals and then see those, those same individuals grow and then reproduce in a spiritual sense. As we've been doing our discipleship group, um, those of you that are in it and those of you that have done it before, you know that this is our hinge pin fulcrum verse in Matthew 28 it says all authority Jesus says not some but all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth both of those spheres that we're becoming more familiar with and he says on that basis go go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you and Remember, I'm with you right up until the end of the age. See, sir, so that's his purpose. That all would come to know him. Those who come would grow and then go on to reproduce. Amen. We need to go on and begin to reproduce and bear fruit as it were. But we can't do that until we are growing and maturing, right? So therefore, we need to grow and mature so that we can go on to Reproduce. And that's one of the things we feel like the Lord is wanting to do with us. He so wants to see fruit come out of this group. Just like the motley crew, the 12 that he had. He wants to see see us turn the world upside down, as it were. But he's spending time with us, isn't he? And he's desiring that we spend time with him in order that we might grow, in order that he might send us, in order that we might go. So the Lord's helping us to to become more mature. So that's God's universal plan in a nutshell. We we will actually begin to unpack this issue as we make our way through the book of Acts starting next week. Now we come to my third and final point, the third U, which is God's unique plan. His ultimate, His universal, now His unique. You see it boiling down. This speaks of... The individual and distinct purpose which is singular and exclusive. God's plan for you and me is as different in nature as is our appearance. Yesterday myself and my son, we went up to the West End. I had to pick up a computer that was busted and went to collect it. And it was amazing. Loads of people, as you know, up Oxford Circus. Loads of people. And we kind of just for a moment, stopped and we said, look, look at all these people. And as much as different, as, as many as, as we see, you never see two that look the same. Never two that are exactly the same height, same color, same name it. Everyone, and we were standing there just looking, thinking, wow, God, you're, you're great. Because when I, when I try and draw a face, I draw two eyes and a mouth. Okay, great. And then I try and do it differently. Up, after about the 10th time, I've run out of ideas. God so wonderfully is able to make everyone so uniquely different and his calling for every single one of us is as uniquely different as, as our appearance. Our spiritual gifts, they differ. Our education, our background, we all have a unique calling. What God has called you to do ain't the same as what he's called me to do. And vice versa. Ephesians 4 verse 1 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, says Paul, beg you, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Ephesians 1 verse 17 says, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you, May know what is the hope of his calling. Ephesians one verse eight. In I bow my knees petitioning God, says Paul, and this is what we've been petitioning God for you, petitioning God that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, because we know that this understanding don't come any other way apart from spiritual enlightenment. It comes by the Spirit of God. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. God has a general will, but he also has a specific will. Matthew chapter 25, the story of the talents will prove that to you. Okay, with one servant, there's another, and there's another. And they all forgot three different things to do. And then they become individually responsible, right? And you then fit into God's universal purpose. See, when we realize that we all individually have a purpose, that then feeds into the bigger purpose, the universal purpose. But then that ultimately feeds into God's ultimate purpose, his overarching eternal purpose. So then what we do on a minute-by-minute, daily, weekly, yearly basis, is vital. What would you have contributed over the course of the next 365, 360-odd days to come in 2009. If you were to go forward and be able to look back, what would you have wanted to have contributed? Well, whatever it is will contribute to eternity. It's, 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 It's large scale. That hopefully will affect our focus today, right? At the beginning of this year. Not just a New Year's resolution, but I would challenge you to come up with a mission or a purpose statement for your life. You know, we can spend a lot of time planning holidays. You know, if you have a business, you come up with a mission statement. Our aims and objectives are for Urban Mission Schools and Community. You can come up with a mission statement and you think about it, and you take time so that when you, when you share that statement, people are like, whoa. It's impacting. It's powerful. Can I I, I challenge you to come up with a a life statement for yourself that includes transcendent value? That means it's more than just natural. It has eternity in mind. Two, two, Two good examples would be something like this. To be a lover and a servant of God and others. Each of those words could be unpacked. To be a lover and servant of God and others. To be a sign and an agent for the kingdom of God. These are mission statements. I'd just like to end up on a verse that kind of has really been on my heart and mind for the past few weeks. And it's Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I think I might have texted it to a couple of people. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. The Lord thinks about you quite extensively. I mean, for Him to be doing all of that stuff with galaxies and spinning cosmoses into existence, for Him to even give you a minute would be a big thing, right? But He doesn't. He says you're inscribed on the palms of His his hands. He will never, ever forget you. He's concerned and He's thinking about you, and His thoughts are of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah 31 verse 17 says. There is hope in your future. He was speaking to Israel. But we're in a new covenant. The Bible says it's a better covenant. Therefore we can trust that. God has a hope and a future for our lives. Amen. I'm going to ask. Ask Ephraim to come up. And as he comes, let's realize the littleness of our plans and seek for the nothing that it is when contrasted to the everything and all that his plans will culminate in. Amen.
0: Good afternoon. God's grand design. Is ultimate, universal, and unique plan and purpose. Looking at those pictures and seeing galaxies within galaxies within galaxies is quite awe inspiring, I'm sure. And at the same time, to think of ourselves in that context and to think of ourselves as being in the mind of God to think that God has a unique purpose for us as individuals is even more baffling even more bemusing when we consider that God is mindful of us why should he be and yet he is and so your question might be how do I fit into the grand plan how do I fit into the great design that God has laid out well part of you being here today is evidence of the fact that God is working out his plan for your life because there are pathways in God's purpose It's not just a a wide open field as far as the horizon. And you look and you think, well, which way do I go? You could choose any way you feel. There are pathways that the Lord has laid out. And we see that God has clearly um, identified and defined this in the person of Christ. Because as we as individuals give ourselves to Christ's likeness. we inevitably, as was often said in the Matrix, it's inevitable, Mr. Anderson. We will inevitably fulfill God's plan and purpose for our life. So you can rest assured at that. And one of the means by which God has um, established for us, one of the paths for us to journey on, is that of Christian community. I say Christian community at the hesitation of saying church life. Because you say church life and it kind of conjures up all kinds of preconceptions in people's minds. And so, I say Christian community. And over the past year, we have, as a community, fellowshiped and journeyed together in the plan and purpose of God. Now, how have we fared? How have we fared in God's plan and purpose? Not just for your life as an individual, but us collectively as a church. Because we see clearly that for every local congregation that exists, the Lord Jesus as the head of the church is mindful of them. He is mindful of us collectively. He is mindful of us And the part that we play within the communities that we live, he's mindful of us in relation to how faithfully we remain the ground and pillar of truth. He's mindful of us. Well, I wonder if you can think of one word that might sum up our experience over the past year as a Christian community. Could you think of one word that could sum it up? Now, I'm not going to ask you to shout it out. Some of you might be thinking, miserable. (laughs) At best, you might be just stumped. But I thought about it, and I thought that there was one word that really kind of, in my mind, summed up our past year. (laughs) What what might that word be? Well, if you turn with me to John chapter 4. I want to draw your attention to some verses that we were um, reminded of, that were brought to our attention by Scott Cunningham when he came. A little earlier in the year. John chapter 4 verses 23 and 24. Very familiar verses to many. And such that I feel that even them being familiar, they still need to be unpacked. And may the Lord help us over the course of the coming year as they do get unpacked. John 4.23, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Worship. That would be the word that I would choose to sum up The past year. Worship. Now you might say, Well, I don't I don't really recall singing songs the whole year long. In fact, there were some Sundays when it seemed we barely sung at all. Mm -hmm. Sorry, we'll deal with that later on. But worship is so much more than singing. Worship is so much more than singing and it's based on an understanding of worship that is much deeper and wider than just singing songs. Not even just singing songs because worship isn't just singing songs normally, right? It's singing slow songs. When you squint your eyes, clench your hands and Raise it a little higher than you normally would. And just put a little bit more heart. That's worship, right? No. (coughs) It's not singing the (coughs) fast songs. (coughs) That's praise, right? No. Well, yeah, that is praise. Worship is so much more. Worship can be defined as an attitude of heart. Expressed by acts of a committed lifestyle. it's it's not just singing songs, but it's an attitude of heart. An attitude of heart that makes melody to the Lord. Even in the hard times, even in the trials, temptations, toils and snares, it's a heart that adores Jesus. Jesus. That's true worship. And that worship doesn't just lay dormant inside our chest. With a warm feeling toward God as we go about our daily lives. And that's all it amounts to. No. But it is expressed. By various acts of a committed lifestyle. Now you know in these verses that it says that the father is seeking We know Jesus came to seek and save the lost. We know that God desires none to perish. And here we see another expression of God's desire. Another expression of something that God is after. Fundamental. He is seeking worshipers. Those who will worship him in spirit and truth. Now, we recognize that there are different dynamics to our life. And over the past year, collectively as a congregation, we've been through varied experiences. And yet all of them can fall very clearly under the definition of worship. You see... From the examples of scripture, we see that as we engage God in prayer and praise, that is a form of warfare. And you might think last year was a real battle for me. But because we, we battle against the trials of life, we, we battle against the weaknesses of the flesh. We battle against persecution and opposition from without. Even in our battling, even in our warfare, that is worship. It's an expression of worship. As we give ourselves to the Word, and we have the Word prepared in us as we are prepared by the Word, that is a form of worship. As we proclaim the Gospel as witnesses, That is a form of worship. As we present our bodies as living sacrifices. Rendering acts of service. That is a form of worship. As we participate willingly in fellowship. That is a form of worship. Now time doesn't permit me to unpack all of that. But suffice to say that. Looking back on the year and all of the things that we've done. We had family day, women's retreat, the Austria retreat, first men's retreat. There was the God Corner Outreach at Carnival. There was the ongoing discipleship through the various weekly fellowships. All of these things, beautiful expressions of worship. And we can be encouraged as we look back to say, well, if God, the father was looking for worshipers. Over the past year, he would have met with them here at South London. And I can truly say amen to the fact that the Lord has met with us even when we consider the ministry of the word that has gone on throughout the past year. I mean, when we think about the list of speakers who came and shared, there was Scott, as I mentioned, Simon Lawrence from Southampton, Pastor Bill Welsh from Refuge, California, Huntington Beach, there was, was it Alipio. is it from Portugal? Hawaii, Hawaii originally. Ah. There was Deuce from Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia. We saw that as each of these people came from where the Lord had dispatched them, they came and they spoke into our lives. That which they shared resonated with exactly where we were at at that time. Scott spoke on worship. Simon on the places of enjoyment. Finding enjoyment in God and not in the world. Bill Walsh on the Holy Spirit. Splashing around in the Holy Spirit and splashing him around. Alipio, a grip on the word that we might be assured. Deuce, missiology, ecclesiology. And Christology. Hmm. We have been richly blessed. The Lord has met with us. And we are accountable. For what we have received. And it wasn't just those from without. Praise God for them. We had Foxy. We forgot to mention him last night. Foxy. There was Brother Peter. Hmm. I remember, would you like to know how you can be guaranteed not to stumble? <laughs> Everybody sat on the edge of their seat. <laughs> there was rich tea, duality, as well as my very own compadres. Robert looks like he's going to see the bank manager today, isn't it? <laughs> I said to him, I said, bruv, I said, I know that this is South London's equivalent to the Queen's speech, but you, you could have warned me. <laughs> we like to keep you on your toes. But the Lord has spoken richly among us. And I'm at in for time, boys. <laughs> Hmm? No, 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 that was the end of last year. Yeah, truth, Rob mentioned, um, from Philadelphia who joined us at the very end of last year. Comprehensive Christianity. Mm. And we had the spirituality series. Gifts of the spirit. Fruit, not flesh. The spiritual detox. Place and purpose. Purpose finding your place and fulfilling your purpose. We're accountable for all that we've received. So what are we going to do with it this year? What are we going to do with it? Well, we realize that Rome wasn't built in a day. Just as the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Jesus is building his church. He's building us up. He's going to be faithful to finish the work that he started. And our endeavor as elders and leaders is to, to continue in the truth that the Lord has shown us. You see, when you're uncertain of the way ahead, the very least you can do is walk in that which you do know. Walk in the light that you have received until the Lord sheds more on your path. One of the things that we endeavor to take forward. And we flagged it up at the end of the spirituality series. Was the issue of membership. And it's something that really has been a very keen focus of ours. Because we believe that it will begin to implement on a very basic level, that one of the things that the Lord highlighted through that spirituality series, and that's structure. From 1 Corinthians 12, we see that structure is spiritual. Structure is spiritual. See, very often we get the impression of spirituality as just going with the flow. As the Holy Spirit leads. And there are times when in the midst of our structure we can structure the Holy Spirit out. That's true. We have to be like those American football playmakers. Now, I used to watch American football way back in the day. Lost interest, Channel Four them days, eh? But the playmakers in American football they will have structured plays. Structured plays that they rehearse, that they give code names, that they execute with precision. And they will get in a huddle and they'll call the code name and they'll, everybody will move into position and then execute the play. But there are those times when the coach might call the play from the bench, as it were, from the sideline. But the quarterback calls what's known as an audible. And the audible is a change in the play at the last moment. And as believers, we're to have structure. As a church, we're to have structure. And one of the things we appreciate is that we need more structure. But at the same time, we need to have an openness to the audible. An openness to the audible. In biblical terms you can look at that as the logos. The revealed word of God. Underlined, full stopped, sealed in scripture. And yet the rhema which will be the spoken word of God to complement, to enlighten that which is already revealed. And so we see structure is spiritual and as we in the first quarter of this year um, establish the process for membership we will recognize that things will become more structured and what that will do is provide stability. It will provide more strength. It will provide more opportunity for more of us to be released into those areas of ministry that the Lord has for you specifically. And so, this is something to look forward to. And so, we're going to be putting an emphasis on community. We're going to be putting an emphasis on structured fellowship in diverse ways. No one likes to feel like they're just treading water, treading water can be very tiring. And even demoralizing when you realize that you're not going anywhere. And we recognize as, as part of our commitment to developing worshipers, As part of our commitment to the spiritual formation of disciples. It's necessary that we introduce and implement some basic aspects of scripture. Structure. It is said that everything can be gained in solitude apart from character. Everything can be gained in solitude apart from character. And so, it might be somewhat challenging for you To be called to a place where you're going to commit yourself (laughs) to the people around you. You might feel like, okay, I love slipping in and slipping out, but I don't really want to get much deeper than that. But that's not the Christian life. That's not New Testament Christianity. It's to be lived in community. Because that's where characters formed. Amen? Pastor P.
2: my adjustments. (laughs) Wow, wow. It's good to see you all. And um, thank you, Pastor Robert and Pastor Ephraim, for just sharing your hearts and your vision for Calvary Chapel, South London for 2009. Um, It's amazing being this side of the pulpit, because no matter how much you're this side of the pulpit, every time you step up here, it's like... You're trembling. You're trembling. I mean, you know, because you realize that you're not just speaking for yourself. You're you're trying to communicate what you believe the Lord has put on your hearts, on your heart. And you're trying to convey that to God's people. And we, I know I don't, and I know I can definitely speak for the guys that we don't take this position lightly. You know, um, we take it you know, um and we believe that we have to be faithful to what we believe the Lord is saying to us. So with what's already been said, um and I love the 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 um the example Pastor Ephraim gave about the American football team and getting in the huddle and knowing the knowing the play. That's beautiful because again just to just to go back on a verse of scripture which Pastor Robert spoke about Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. Without a vision, the people just cast off restraint. Without knowing, well, what are we doing? Where are we going? Why are we doing this for? People will just do their own thing. And so our desire is to say, well, after all that's been said, you know, what are the practical things that we can do so that we can have a common vision and that we can be moving in um, a common uh, direction. And so it's not rocket science, even though we had some brilliant pictures of the different solar systems and everything. It's not rocket science. It goes back to basic Christianity. It goes back to the things Which the Lord just said we should do and be faithful in doing. And one of the scriptures which you know just been on my mind today this morning is that the the Apostle Paul in First Thessalonians chapter five and verse twenty-three says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ and so the lord wants us to be complete spiritually he wants us to grow physically he's in interested in how we develop physically in our bodies and, and in our souls with our character as pastor ephraim said you know our soul our mind our will our emotions, how we struggle with our will, how we struggle in the area of our emotions. And so my desire is that as a fellowship, we will get God's perspective on how he wants to develop us in our spirit, in our soul. In our body, I I know it's the beginning of the year. I've started doing the press ups and the sit ups already. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get committed. Thinking about it, meditating on going for that run again. Anybody else? Yeah. So, we'll see how it goes on as the year goes along. But in a practical sense, and I'm just gonna try and highlight things we already know. Nothing, as I said, you know, out of the ordinary. I always love to go back to the Old Testament and find examples there. And one of the books which always blessed me is the book of Nehemiah. And so I just want to try and draw out some highlights from the book of Nehemiah, um, the first four chapters. I'm not going to go through the whole four chapters, so you're all right. But Nehemiah, he was somebody who was in service to a king, but ultimately he was in service to the king. We see in the first chapter of Nehemiah that, in the verses one to four, that he was interested in the state of Jerusalem. He made inquiry and said to his friends, brothers, what is the condition of Jerusalem? And he heard the report that the walls were broken down. The gates were burnt. It needed attention. And so, what did Nehemiah do? From verses 5 to 11, he breaks out in this very elaborate prayer. And so, what, what was the first port of call for Nehemiah? He prayed. And with prayer, you know, we know that God changes things. And so, first highlight I would like to mention is the importance of prayer. A couple of years ago, ago, we tried to encourage people to seek a prayer partner. Have somebody you could be accountable to. Have somebody who you can join in prayer with and who would encourage you and you would encourage them. And when you're going through something, that you could really share it with them. And I don't know as a fellowship what's happened to that, if people are still going on with their prayer partners. But I really want to highlight again that if you, you know, if somewhere, somewhere along the line that has dwindled, Let's rekindle that. Prayer partners, revive it. But not just prayer partners, you know, as a fellowship, we have a weekly prayer meeting, which is important, not just to us um, individually, but to us corporately. Now, if you cannot physically get to the prayer meeting on a Tuesday, please let your, and you have a really important prayer request, please let it be known. Write it down on a piece of paper. Leave it at the back table so that we can lift up those prayers unto the Lord on your behalf. Amen? Amen. So, prayer. Individual prayer. Making that time in the morning or at night. Whatever's the best time for you. I pray continuously during the day, oh, Lord, this, oh, Lord, that, oh, Lord. That's me. Prayer partners, prayer meetings, individual prayer, corporate prayer. So important. Jumping into chapter 2, we see that Nehemiah, after he's prayed, you know, he's in a position of influence. He's able to step to the king because he's that cupbearer, yeah? If you don't know the story, I encourage you, read Nehemiah. Beautiful book. So he's in a position there where he can appeal to the king, and that's what he does. He takes the opportunity to appeal to the king. And again, through prayer, we need to be appealing to our king. From appealing to, to, to the king there, we see that the response he got was that he got clearance from the king. And some of you know about getting clearance, Tim. <laughs> Amen. You need to get clearance. So he got clearance from the king. Now, from getting that clearance, again, Nehemiah didn't stop there. You know, he was able to go. Move from the position he was in and so that he could have an active involvement in what was going on in Jerusalem. So he goes. And when he went, he didn't just sit there and think, oh, yeah, well, I'm here now. He went around and he started inspecting the situation. What is going on? He went through the city, went through the gates. He saw, oh, man, the gates burnt down. Oh, no, the wall's broken. Oh, he was on a donkey, I think. And he tried to get through a certain gate, and he couldn't. So got a donkey, He went through the valley. So it wasn't just this close um, inspection, but he went into the valley to look at it from a different angle. Uh, some of us so wrapped up in our worlds that we can't step out and look at things from maybe a different angle. And say, Lord, well, mm, I know I'm in this thing, but what are you saying here? He looked at things from a different perspective. And maybe that's what we need to be doing as well. So, as you read through Nehemiah, and again, I'm encouraging you to do it. You know, he says, I didn't share none of this with anyone. I didn't tell anything, anybody anything what the Lord had placed on my heart. But it comes a point where he did. He shared What the Lord had placed in his heart. He communicated what the Lord had placed upon his heart. He got in that huddle in fellowship with the priests and the elders. And said, you know what? This is what the Lord has placed on my heart, what we should be doing. A vision regarding Jerusalem and its walls. And again... We need to be thinking about, sorry, when he evaluated a situation, study. You know, meat and potato, I've got to go there. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the world. So he inspects it. So that's the second thing. The third thing when he communicated, communication, fellowship. Now, fellowship is a weird thing. Um,. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, that we should fellowship all the more as we see the day approaching. Um, Fellowship is a weird thing in the sense that you could think, why am I here? (laughs) Just sitting around the word again, just in a freezing cold building. Oh, my goodness. I'd rather be watching TV. But there's something unique what happens within fellowship. How the Lord just strips away things. How you get into conversation about the word and you start getting excited about the word. And really, you look back after consistent fellowship, you realize that you've grown. You're not the person you was before. You don't think the way you used to think. And so, again, I can only encourage us, fellowship. Get into fellowship. Because there's something unique and spiritual that happens which you don't even realize what's happening. And the only way you're going to find out is if you do it. Chapter three, I'm going to hurry up. We see that after he's communicated the vision and everything, there's this collective works program. Chapter three, you just see like families getting involved. They want to be part of rebuilding the the walls of Jerusalem. And again, there was heads of families who took responsibility. And, you know, I'm just going to take a little side night to get into this but we as a as a leadership desire to officially appoint deacons and elders now there are people there are those among us who are already functioning within these roles but we have not given them the title and the fact of the matter is is that it's bible it's biblical to recognize those who labor amongst you And so we will be appointing these people in these positions so that we, again, as a fellowship, could be functioning decently and in order. Amen? So along with this works program, you know, we at Calvary Chapel South London, we know that we outreach programs. It's been mentioned about Family Day, Carnival. You know, we have a fundraising team now. Fundraising events retreats all these things we have a desire to hold on to and run with in chapter three we also have this element of when you start seeing about families getting involved you see names mentioned being the son of or the sons of and within that context I want to just highlight the fact that you know it was family it was genealogies it was generations And so we have a desire to really sow into our youth's life. Youth, you are important to us. You're the ones we have to pass the baton onto. And so we had a wonderful time with our youth on Friday. Beautiful. And youth, again, just as Pastor Ephraim has challenged the congregation I want to challenge the youth to step it up this year. To step it up. We have a baton we want to pass on to you. I was at that GL Live and I felt old. What am I doing there? I was thinking, this is for young people. And so youth, be encouraged. Also, it's my, I say it's my personal desire, but it's our desire that We really want to um, let our youth go away on a youth retreat this year. We really want to have some focus there. So, again, keep that in prayer. Within that outreach program, within that works program, you know, we know that we as a church, we're mission-minded. We've had those missions trips to Romania. You know, Debbie's been to Korea. You know, and knowing that we have the vision and Pastor Robert you know, we'll be going to Jamaica to set up a Calvary Chapel, Hanover, no, Calvary Chapel, Cousins Cove. What am I talking about, Hanover? It is Hanover. I knew that. (laughs) Calvary Chapel, Cousins Cove. You know, our desire is to really commit that into prayer. Jamaica, Romania, Tanzania, wherever it may be. And so the third Sunday of every month, we will be having a, um, a missions time of prayer here at church so that we can commit those things into the Lord's hands and so please be involved in that now moving on swiftly hopefully chapter four we see that there was opposition and we know that we've got an adversary right right there was opposition but from verse 6 in chapter 4, it says, So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. The wall was joined together. the people according to their families with their swords their spears and their bows again the need for the people to be in position to have responsibility um verse 14 and I looked and arose and said to the nobles to the leaders to the rest of the people do not be afraid of them remember the lord great and awesome and fight for your brethren and your sons your daughters your wives and your houses Heads of houses, you have a responsibility to fight for your sons and your daughters and your houses. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction, while the other half held their spears, the shields, the bows, and wore armor, and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction, and with the other hand they held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built. And the one who sounded the trumpet was behind him. Sound the alarm! Yeah. Well, you know what? We see teamwork, and we see this trumpet being sounded. And normally, when the trumpet is being sounded, it's a call for God's people to come together, come together to rally together. And then, I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. We're Calvary Chapel, South London. We've got people from North London, all over South London. We're separated. We don't all live in Dulwich. But even though we're separated, we have to stick together. Unity, amen. Now, It's been a long time overdue, but one way we like to stick together, and I know I'm longing it out, is using technology. Yeah. Calvary Chapel, www.calvarychapelsouthlondon.org. It's been a long time coming, but within the next week or two, it will be up. It will be running. If you want to hear a message, just click the button. If you want to see pictures, lie, Robert, Pastor Robert. I'm not. Just, I'm not speaking at a turn here. Just click the button. You want to see pictures of what's gone on in the past? Click the button. You want to know what's going on in the future? Click the button. Stay connected. Sign up to the email. There will be a list at the back of the church. Amen. But with the website, you'll be able to get information. Listen to messages and see the pictures, as I've already said. Now, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, there's also Pastor Ephraim is planning to do praise nights. And really, it's something which I think that he would need to really (laughs) just expand upon because it's on his heart and everything. But our desire is just to have a time of worship with each other worship in and allow the lord just to really just use us to worship him exactly as pastor Ephraim said in spirit and in truth in the way he wants to allow us to worship him so put in your diaries as well that they will be coming up praise nights and moving on in nehemiah and closing up so we labored in the work and half of the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared again until the stars appeared I love that analogy there lovely at the same time I also said to the people let each man and his servant stay at night in Jerusalem that they may be our guard by night night and a working party by day see there's teamwork going on everybody knows their positions everybody's covering each other people have got each other's backs you know one of the things we used to say when back in the day was man f- if we was at war and i was in the i was in a ditch brother if i had a grenade you know i'll be backing you you know throwing out that grenade you're gonna be backing me my man would always say i'll back you and you know what 18 years down the line i know that pastor robert and pastor have be backing me and it's beautiful it's good to know And I'd I'd love to know that you could have that testimony too, that you've got people in your life who will back it for you. And when you're doing wrong, they say to you, you know what? You're wrong. No, that's not the will of the Lord. And when you're doing right, they will say, do you know what? Praise God. God's working in your life. And so it says, so neither I, my brethren, nor my servants, nor the men of the God who follow me took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. Now, you may read that and think, whoa, mm, man A man weren't washing, that's not good. But we see that in the scriptures, garments, coverings are important. And when we're talking about washing, we know that, you know, we will be purified by the washing of the water of the word. Something very deep and spiritual if you decide to look into that. And so our desire is to use, if you listed them down, those practical things. Prayer, study, fellowship, keeping in communication with each other, outreach programs, all these different things, investing into our youth. All these things are practical ways which we can, you know, make sure that our course is straight that we are helping each other. Amen? So, as I just commit this time into prayer, and I ask Pastor Ephraim and Pastor Rob to come up, because we just want to spend a little time just praying right now, and just committing ourselves into the Lord's hands, committing this year into the Lord's hands, because our li- we believe our lives are not our own. So, who are you destroying with us? Heavenly Father, great and awesome God, the one who has spanned the universe, the one who is bigger than the universe, but decided to become a baby, decided to become a man, Decided to taste our infirmities to be that perfect sacrifice for us so that we could have fellowship, relationship with the Father, so that the words of the Father could be true when He says that I know the plans and the thoughts I have to thoughts of good and not evil, giving us a future. Pastor Robert has already said that 2008 is in the past. And we serve a God who is in the continuous present. The great I am. Thank you, God, for being the great I am. The the great I am gives us a future and a hope. Lord, you are big, you're powerful, you're awesome. And Lord Jesus, I pray that we as a fellowship, as a community, Lord, that we could apprehend, Lord, the things for, what, for which we have been apprehended for by you.
1: Yes,
2: How you softly called our names, Lord, individually, personally, Lord, brought us into relation with, relationship with yourself, Lord, for a plan and for a purpose Lord Jesus help us to realize this purpose help us to develop and grow in you Lord help us to learn how to deny ourselves Lord to say Lord with, with all honesty oh Father not my will but your will be done When everything within us, Lord, wants to satisfy our own lusts and our own desires, Lord, that we would have the strength to say, oh, Father, not my will, but your will be done, oh, Lord. Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus, because without you, we can do nothing. Without you, Lord, building the house, Lord, we labor in vain. So, Lord Jesus, we commit ourselves into your hands, Lord. Speak to us, Lord, by your spirit. I thank you for this opportunity, Lord, just to share with your people, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Dear Lord, I just thank you for the family of Calvary Chapel, South London. Thank you, Lord, for your hand upon our lives. Strengthening and helping and preserving us, Lord, throughout the past year. I thank you, Lord, for your work in us. The way in which you're changing us. Lord, some of us have had some intense moments in the past year. We've had difficulty. We've been challenged to a core even feeling like throwing in the towel. Abandoning church and just doing our own thing. Some of us have been burnt by relationships here in church. Some of us have been disappointed and let down. And some of us have seen growth in areas that we wouldn't have expected. And yet, your God, to us all, you're consistent yesterday, today, and forever. And I thank you, Lord, for every single individual, Lord, here today, and especially for every individual, Lord, who has committed their heart as a an informal, unofficial member of this church. Lord, I thank you because you're moving among us by your spirit, you're maturing us, you're growing us. And just like a baby who finds its feet and learns to walk and grows strong and runs and jumps and plays sports and scales mountains and hang glides, Lord, you're teaching us, Lord, to walk with you and to attain to new heights. And so, Lord, I pray that this year will be a a different year for us, that, Lord, we will experience things that we've never experienced before, that, Lord, we will do things that we've never done before, that, Lord, we will grow in our relationship with you in a way that we never have before. And, Lord, I pray that for that, for, for us individually, but especially collectively, Lord, that, Lord, we would be tighter as a community lord we would be stronger as a community lord that we would go further and harder and faster that lord we would be more faithful and more effective in carrying out your will and your purpose for us help us lord lord i thank you for this family lord we may not be much but we're with you lord and you're with us and we're grateful have your way Lord among us I pray do a new work in our hearts and lives Lord I pray Lord I pray that you take us from faith to faith that Lord you take us from glory to glory help us Lord and I just thank you for my brothers Lord as leaders as men who have answered the call who stand to take responsibility in your house Lord men who have set themselves apart and they take the flak, and they make the sacrifices, and they suffer the, the hating and the backbiting. But Lord, Lord, Lord.
2: I'll be, yeah, yeah, I'll be where I fit in, but I'm no diamond ring. Got a to learn, so I'm listening. I'll be where I in, Got a yeah, yeah. lot to learn, so I'm listening.